Well, good morning, family. This is uh, the day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. I am, I'm really uh, looking and sharing in an empty auditorium, of course, and we have, uh, we've been kind of empty for a while, for a couple of uh, weeks now, and um, we're hoping to get back soon. In fact, our plans are that next week we will start again with our outdoor services and, uh, and see what happens from there. But God has been good to us, and uh, even though there's nothing like us all being together for worship and all that happens in that time when we gather together for worship and, and all of that, I'll tell you what, next best thing is right what we're doing right now. And I just believe that God is going to do a good thing in your home as you're watching what God has to say to us this morning. I hope you had a good fourth. Um, we saw a lot of, uh, well, our neighbors were uh, going a little bit uh, crazy with the fireworks. And uh, we didn't have to go to, you know, go, go to, to see a big uh, display. We had it right there in our neighborhood. And in our neighborhood, it is illegal to uh, shoot off fireworks. But that didn't seem to stop anybody. And, uh, and it, it was uh, pretty amazing all around us. But then there's also those, well, what are they, M80s or dynamite that they keep shooting, you know, throughout the night. I, one thing about the fourth, there's, you, you have uh, the force displays, and then there are people, I don't know where they get, I, well, I do, they, most of them get them in Mexico because they're illegal here in the States, and they'll turn around and they'll be blowing those things off for the next month, so... Uh, we'll get wakened up uh, through the middle of the night, and then I can complain about it. But anyhow, it was a, it, it was a, I, I think we did some celebration, even though many of us were limited on, on being able to be together and, uh, and some of the things that we normally do on the 4th. But I am so grateful, I am so grateful for our country. I love my country. I, I am so grateful that I was born in this country and have been able to live in this country and the freedoms that this country has um, given to me. And, and we celebrated uh, yesterday, of course, the signing of uh, the Declaration of Independence. In uh, July uh, 1776, um, the Declaration was pinned by Thomas Jefferson, and uh, and let me just read the, the the beginnings of it. Some of you, as I did um, when I was in school, memorized the Declaration, um, but don't remember it fully um, right now. So it says, "So when in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bonds which have connected them with another." And to assume among the powers of the earth the, the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them, a descent respect to the opinions of mankind uh, requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths self-evident, that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among them, these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. To this, that to secure these rights, governments are in, instituted among men, deriving their just power from the consent of the governed. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such, in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Now, and it goes on to, to lay out the reason, of course, for, um, for the separation from, uh, from England and from, uh, and, and uh, uh, you know, eventually the, in, the, the War of Independence. Now, these were set up, and the reason for, one of the reasons for uh, the Declaration of Independence 
was to give a biblical reason. In fact, um, historians have looked back over um, that time period to see who was the most quoted people by the, the signers of the Declaration and uh, of the Constitution eventually. Um, who, who were the people they were reading the most? You know, we could Google that um, today if we were doing it, but they, they, they would, you know, they, they, they were reading books, and what books were they reading, and, and you know who they were reading by who they quoted in their own writings. Well, of the t- 10 top quoted most quoted people, almost all of them were theologians. In fact, they were getting their information from, in fact, theologians. And an argument was being made for this, um, for the separation and understanding Romans 13 and the requirement of believers to, um, to obey the law of the land. There had to be set up a biblical um, you know, theology for being able to separate, to be able to go, no, we don't have to obey those laws now. We do not have to obey, obey what they're saying. And the reason for it is because they have broken a contract. And, and that's what really the, the Declaration of Independence is. It is a proof of contract broken. And so a rebellion against that is, uh, goes on. And, and as you read through it, you can... You know, you can pick all those arguments out with the, with, you know, what the, the king of England had done and some of the things that he had broken the rules and the way he, they had, he had governed. So they, they used that as an argument. And so we celebrated yesterday the signing of that and the determination that we would be self-governed as a nation and all that goes along with that. And, of course, after the, the Revolutionary War, we... Um, there was the Continental Congress, and there was a gathering for the purpose of, um, you know, writing or and establishing a contract, a contract with our government, establishing a government and a contract with our government. We call it the Constitution. The Constitution is a contract with the people and its governing authorities. That that those governing authorities would have to live by the contract that we agreed to. And that is our Constitution, which is the longest standing um, Constitution in the world. It has lasted the longest because, in fact, you have countries like, like France who've, I mean, they've, they've had, I don't know how many uh, changes, not changes, but actually new, con- new constitutions. You have England that doesn't have a Constitution but has, um, has agreed upon rules. But we have a, this incredible thing. We are, um, we, we are a republic, a, a, um, a democratic form of government, but we are a republic um, with a constitution. That's what makes us different. And it is what has established freedoms for us in our nation. Um, when it was written, it was, I, I, I would call it, it was an imperfectly perfect document. An imperfect, that, well, that's a contradiction, isn't it? It was imperfectly perfect because of this. Though it was written imperfect, it was written in a way that it could be changed. And that's the, that's the, the, the wonder. And when you read it and when you see what happened in our Constitution and what it has produced, the, the, the wealthiest, the freest nation in the world, the most powerful, the, 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 the greatest nation in the world. It, it produced that because of the Constitution. The Constitution, of course, and I, I believe, guided by and even established by, I believe this nation was established by God in all of its failures using failed humans, in, in all of this, it certainly is not, it, it is not um, like, like Israel was established by God as God's people and God and all the laws written by God and established by God that they were to follow. I, I believe it's in a different way. But I believe our nation was established because of the freedoms that it had given to us and the wealth that ha- has been established 
has allowed for us to reach much of the world with the gospel. More than any other nation in the world, in, uh, we have sent out more missionaries and we have, we have supported more missionaries to the world to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ than any other nation in the world. I believe it's one of the reasons why God has been so gracious to us as a nation. I believe we have done some horrendous things. We are right now, you know, have, we've, we've murdered uh, over 70 million unborn babies. And, and I'm sure that not only breaks the heart of God, but there is a, an aspect of, of um, God's uh, lifting of grace upon our nation. And we've suffered, I believe, consequences for that. So we're not a perfect nation. And we weren't perfect when we were established, when we established our constitution. Obviously, there was freedoms given, but there was a, a whole group of people in our nation that didn't receive freedom at that point. They were, in fact, in bondage uh, and in slavery. And, and there was compromise that was made that they would remain in slavery, even though there were, there were, uh, there were uh, part of those who were signing the, the um, constitution that wanted freedom uh, from slavery, wanted people... Uh, wanted to establish a nation without slavery. There was also a part that, you know, that would not even be part if they had to give up their slaves. And that compromise was not really much of a compromise. And so there was uh, an establishment of a nation in which we were subjugating a whole group of people. And, um, and that w so we, we didn't get it right. Now, what we did get right, the founders, the main thing that they got right was they built it on the, the theological premise that men are depraved, that men are born in sin. That was established from the beginning. And that government, that power corrupts. And that was right from the beginning understood. And so... It is why the Constitution, in fact, um, d divided the powers uh, of the government and, uh, and to, uh, uh, for the government to be a weakened government because it would be divided into um, three groups or three, three power segments of our, our, um, uh, uh, of our government. And so you, you have... Um, you, you have a government that takes time for things to change. And, uh, and I said our Constitution was perfectly, um, uh, perfectly imperfect or per imperfectly perfect is because it allows for it to change our Constitution. We can change our Constitution. It's a, in fact, the Constitution has been changed 33 times, okay, or not changed, but... Uh, amended 33 times and the last time it was amended was actually 1992 and we are in a a, a a place where there are those who are saying the constitution is not well it's outdated it is uh it 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 doesn't work there's no reason for it anymore and uh, my answer to that and i think it should be every american's answer to that is then change it if it needs to be changed, there is a means by changing it. But our founders understood something. They understood that if you, um, if, if you um, don't have a representative form of government, but you have a democratic form of government. We're not a democratic, I should say we are a democratic form of government, but we're not a democratic government. Democratic governments, in fact, Madison said, he, when he did research before he became well considered the father of the Constitution, Madison said this. He said, he said that democratic governments don't last long and they're extremely violent because it's, it's, it's just it, once uh, a group of people get the majority, the minority suffer as a result, they lose all their freedoms because once that power is in. So we have chosen a different form of government that has limited the powers of the majority so that the minority can still have their rights as well. And, 
and uh, it is a, a healthy form of government. Change is slow, but we can change the Constitution. And change is slow for this reason, because, because the problem is when change is fast, it's mob rule. You know, and once mob, you know, mobs rule out of emotion, a lot of times not out of intellect. They move, they want to move quickly because they're emotionally stirred by something. And our government says, slow down, let's look at it, let's discuss it, let's argue about it, let's make decisions, and then if you can get enough people on board, two-thirds majority, you know, in the states, and you know the, the process, that if you can do that, you can change the Constitution. You can do that. But you can't do it out of emotion. You can't do it out of mob rule. And, and of course, the, the Constitution has been, in fact, um, it, it's been undermined at times. And, and sometimes it's that because of ju judicial activism. In fact, our founders were concerned about that. In fact, the, the branch that they were most concerned about was the ju judicial branch because they understood that, um, that there was possible that power in the judicial branch, which was only supposed to be uh, interpreters, they're supposed to be umpires, right? They're, not, they're, they're only supposed to be calling balls and strikes. They're not supposed to be changing the rules. That that, that branch would take and use more authority than it was uh, originally given. And we've seen that happen over the years because instead of waiting for the proper change of the governance and, and the process, they have decided, and it's a temptation, right? When an individual has power, for instance, in the Supreme Court, one of the problems we're facing right now in the Supreme Court, and I'm, by the way, I'm getting to the scripture on this because I think it's important, but um, one, of the, one of the things we're, we've uh, changed and we've seen in the Supreme Court is that there's some, um, some, some individuals who have claimed in the past that they were origin, originalists um, and now they have changed tune. Why? Because once you're in and you have that kind of power, it's very tempting to go, you know what? I, don't, I know this is what the law says, but I think this is better. And they start making choices, not based about what the, what the Constitution gives right to, but based upon what they think is better. It's extremely tempting. And that's why it's so important that we have, you know, judges that, that understood that principle. Well, we got it wrong at the beginning, and, and we've changed things. It took, it took 74 years, you know, from the time that the Constitution was written... And uh, be, it took 74 years for us to write and ratify the Constitution to elimit, eliminate slavery. It took a long time, that process. It would have taken longer even if it wasn't some things that were done early on. It took five more years for blacks and ex-slaves to get the right to vote. It took another 50 years for women to get the right to vote. But what we have seen in our country is, in fact, this process in which we can get it right and we can make changes. I'm reminded of the words of William Penn who said, Men must be governed by God or they will be ruled by tyrants. I think what we are reminded of even at this time, you know, in, in our celebration of our independence is, in fact, that Human beings are flawed, in fact, more than flawed. Human beings oftentimes will just submit to their own selfish and greedy ways. And government helps us, if, if properly done, government helps us to push back on that. And, and our government is set up in such a way as not to trust those who are in power, not fully. That's why we have a representative form of government. We choose who is going to represent us, and we can get rid of them, hopefully, um, if they don't represent us well. Well, that form of government has given us, as a nation, a tremendous amount of freedom. But Jesus talks about freedom in a different way. And I want to look, look at what Jesus said about freedom. 
It's in John chapter 8 and verse 31 as Jesus was speaking. And the scripture says this is where we're starting. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If you abide, he says, the truth will make you free. Now the answer from, um, they, they answered him, and, and the people who, who Jesus was talking to was those who had believed on him, but the, the context of the group that were there was all kinds of people, people who believed in him, people who believed, who believed what he was saying, and people who were rejecting. There's a whole group of people there. He was speaking to those who believed on him, but others were there as well. And they answered, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Now, I think they, I don't know if they had a brain fade. I don't know what they were thinking. I mean, while they're saying that, they are, in a, they are oppressed by the Roman Empire. They have been, <laughs> they, did they forget Egypt? Uh, did they forget, you know, they, what, what did they forget Babylon? Did they forget any of those things? Yes, they, they forgot all those things. And they're saying, you know, we're free. We're free because of Abraham. And I, we'll talk about that in a second. But Jesus answered them, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. You shall be free. If, if you were all here, I'd say, just say free indeed, right? Just free indeed. It's, and, and that's why I'm calling this another kind, a different kind of freedom. This is another kind of freedom. This is a different kind of freedom than what people what people think of. See, although we live in this very free nation, freedom, freedom is different which, than, than it, people think freedom is. Uh, for instance, oftentimes when people think of freedom, that means to them is freedom is no restraints. That means no limitations. I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, and that's freedom. In fact, that's why some people think of Christianity as a bondage. It seems, they feel like I can't do whatever I want. You know, I, 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 if I want to, you know, if I want to do things that are, the Bible calls sinful, I want to be able to do them. I want to do whatever I desire to do whenever I desire to do it. But that kind of freedom, freedom with no restraints, is an impossibility. Can I just say that again? Freedom with no restraints is an impossibility. There is no such thing. And this is why. Free action, free action is never without free consequences. That, that when we have freedom, it always, there's always consequences or, you know, there, there's always responses. There's always, uh, there's always something that is attached to our freedom. See, you, you have to choose in life not, not between freedom and no freedom. It's, it's choice between, you choose between competing freedoms, as, as Keller says. That you, you only get certain freedoms by letting go of other freedoms. When, whenever you have a freedom, you're letting go of some other freedom in your life. And so, freedoms obviously have consequences. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 18, it kind of illustrates this. It says this, having been set free from sin, you become slaves to righteousness. Well, what is that? You're giving up one freedom to become a slave to something else. You're, you're taking and you're being free you're being free from one thing to be in bondage 
to something else. Now, you can be in bondage to something good. In this case, he's saying you're in bondage to righteousness. You're in bondage to God's blessing. You're in, God, you're, you're in bondage to, you know, the, the benefits of being free from sin. See, that's freedom. You're being free in this case, and, the, and, the, and there's benefits. See, you have these competing freedoms that are there in your life, and you make choices. And Jesus is saying, listen, the freedom that I give you, the freedom that I give you is a freedom that is the best kind of freedom. You, you, can, you have choices of freedom, but freedom in Christ is the best kinds of freedom because... Listen, because freedom, um, freedom that the world says is freedom, well, it doesn't, it doesn't end well. It isn't the abundant life. You might talk to a young person, and oftentimes this is a case where people, when they talk, we talk about, listen, you know, the dissatisfaction in life and sometimes, uh, you know, things, things that you hoped would happen or things that you desired and the things that you got, the things that you wanted, even when you got them, they didn't bring satisfaction. And you would talk to a young person oftentimes and they'll say, well, I'm happy. You know, I'm happy doing what I want, want to do. And, and they might be walking in a sinful pattern in life, and they'll say, you know, I'm, I'm just fine. I, you know, I, I you know, have sex when I want, or, or I, you know, I get, you know, I, I, I get loaded, I get drunk, or whatever else I do. I, I do, you know, whatever I want to do, I do, and I'm just happy. <laughs> but I've been around long enough, and many of you have too, that all you have to do is watch it. And, and you, can, you, can, you can honestly say this, it won't last. You can honestly say that, it won't last. That thing that you do will become not only a dissatisfaction, but a bondage. They, that's what happens. That freedom, all, all these freedoms that we have, when it's sinful patterns, they become a bondage. And pretty soon, those bondages are destroying your life. Those sexual bondages, then that pattern continues on into marriage and destroys families and destroys lives. The, those, um, the, that, that freedom that you had to, you know, kind of drink as you wanted or, or do drugs becomes a bondage in your life and sets destructive processes going on in your life. So what Jesus is saying, listen, there is a freedom that you have, and it's the freedom of the world, but I have a freedom that will truly set you free. And that's what, when, when he said, when, when Jesus said that the freedom that he had, those who, who follow him, he says, will be truly free indeed. There's a true freedom that happens. Because as Bob Dylan said in his song, you have to serve somebody, it might be the devil, it might be the Lord, but you have to serve somebody. And, some, and, and your freedoms are going to cause bondage in some area, or, or it's going to cause true freedom. But the true freedom, the, the free indeed, comes from understanding what the maker, our maker, has orchestrated for our lives. He understands what is best for our lives. The things that people call bondage because he has told us these are, this is the way you live. The maker understands that when we live according to this, we do have true freedom. When we do what he asks us to do, the, the, our lives become so much more free. We become, we're able to fulfill the purposes that he created us to, to, to have. And we have the bondages are gone, and the freedom truly lives as we're living in Jesus and what he produces in our life. Now, there's a freedom. Then it says that it says there's freedom, and then there's the son's freedom. Galatians 5, 1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. The NIV says it this way, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So his freedom is for freedom. He wants us to be free. 
Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Now, only Jesus can make you free indeed. And this is three things I just want to kind of uh, get, get to you real quickly. First of all, freedom from, from religious te- tends to plague people. Because religion tends to plague people. So they know that they're not probably doing it all right. And they might even judge themselves. And they kind of consider, or you hear people say things like this. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm a good person. You know, I think I'm okay. I mean, or, or and, and, you know, their religion is really what they make most important in their life. They, they might not even tie it to Christianity or religious. They, they just tie it to the thing that is most important to them, their idol, their God. And Jesus gives us freedom from that. When we come to Christ, we are giving up, we, we are taking a freedom from a bondage that, that can do nothing but bring emptiness and despair into our life. And then freedom, and this is, you see this in the text, is freedom from the power, penalty, and eventually the presence of sin. That Jesus came to set us free. And you see here that Jesus said, you know, they're, they're, they're still in their bondage. They're in their bondage because sin is a bondage. You know, when Jesus came and died on the cross for us and gave us the Holy Spirit, he gave us the power over sin. We cannot say, we cannot say, I can't help myself because it's not true. God has given us the power over sin. Say, well, Rick, do you, are you saying that we'll be sinless? No. No, I, I've heard people say that. That's not what I'm saying, and it's, it's not true. It doesn't mean that we'll live without ever sinning. But if we're not sinning less, we don't understand the power of God. If we're not sinning less, if, if, if after you become a Christian, you go, you know, I, I, Jesus has forgiven me, and I sin. And you ask, you know, I'm, how are you doing? Are you sinning less? No, I'm sinning more. I, th- I can tell you this, if someone says, you know, I'm sinning more now because I'm a Christian, I would say you're not a Christian. You have not been filled with the Holy Spirit because you cannot sin more by being, you know, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. One of the benefits of that freedom that Jesus gives us is that the Holy Spirit helps us with us, our life, and he helps us to get over our sin. And one of the ways he does that is by, is the power of forgiveness. There is no, therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So that when we sin, we can get back up and go, Lord, help me. I'm going to go again. I'm going to keep going. And I'm thankful that your forgiveness is there. And I'm going to do my best not to sin. Now, I've heard people say this. They, I've heard people knowing that they're sinning, knowing that what they're doing is sin, and say, well, just God forgives me. It's no big deal. And I would say, I really would question your your salvation. I would question that the Holy Spirit is in you because he, he is called the Holy Spirit. And you have grieved the Holy Spirit and maybe to the place where you don't even hear him anymore and you've seared your conscience if you can continue in sin and not and it not be a bother to you sin is a bother in fact the scripture says that we hate it and if because we hate it because of the bondage that it brings into our life and so he's freed us from the power of sin and he's also freed us from the penalty of sin and ultimately the presence of sin You see, Jesus has come to give us salvation, and someday there's not going to be any sin. Heaven is, there's no sin in heaven. Not even the smallest, not even a little bit. Nobody sins in heaven. So what he wants us to be more like him on earth. And that is a freedom. That is a freedom. If we understood, and I believe this, if we understood sin as it truly is, we would despise it. 
If we understood sin to the way in which it grieves a holy God, we would cry and we would just be so repentive when we, when we realize that we have offended God with our sin. We would ask God for, for his forgiveness and we would walk in that. The scripture tells us in John 4.18 about Jesus. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Listen, he's not talking about physical prisoners necessarily here. He's talking about those who are in prison by sin. And recovery of sight to the blind and set, set the oppressed free. That's what Jesus came to do. No, nothing is, is more imprisoning than sin. And true freedom has to set you free from sin. And that's the freedom that Jesus offers. It's a life, it's a life that is sinless. Sinless. And then, lastly, it's freedom from, from yourself. Self-rule spiritually is ultimate, the ultimate form of bondage. You know, when, when I'm ruling my own life, I've tried that. I think every Christian has come to the point that, to realize, you know what? I can't rule my own life anymore. I, I make too many mistakes. I've already messed things up. Most people who come to Christ, if they didn't come to Christ early in life, they, they came to Christ because they've already messed up enough to go, you know what? My life, I'm just not a good self-ruler. And, and that's what Jesus offers. He offers his help, his support. Jesus offers to be the Lord of our life. In Romans 6, it says, But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you, you're, you're, uh, you have fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. You see, that's the trade-off we make. Like I said, every freedom, every freedom is a decision. It's a decision to be free here or to be free here. And they're competing. And I can... I can say I'm free because I do whatever I want to do. Or I can trade in that freedom to go and say I do everything, as Jesus said, that the Father wants me to do. That's the freedom I choose. That's the best kind of freedom. When I choose to follow him, I choose to be a servant of him. And I give, and my freedom is surrendered my freedom is surrendered to him, and that brings true freedom in my life. When Jesus said, there is a freedom, and this freedom is better. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. I want to ask this question of you. Are you free indeed? Do you really have that freedom that Jesus has? And where you are right now, maybe there's a bondage in your life. There are so many of us that do have a bondage in our life. Maybe it's an addiction. I want to tell you, Jesus can set you free. Jesus can set you free right where you are. I remember a few years ago, and there's so many stories I could tell, but I just have one that, that I want to just kind of bring to somebody's attention. I believe it's for somebody right now. And this, this individual had come to me and he had spent a lifetime trying to get free from a bondage that he had since he was a youth. He was an alcoholic. He started drinking very young in life. His parents were alcoholics. And he, he started drinking early. And he had this propensity toward it. And it was, it was so addicting in his life. And he had survived as far as like he had a job. He was able to maintain to an extent. He wasn't kind of this binge drinker that would go off for three or four days and you know of course those are oftentimes the, the kind that cannot manage but he was a manageable drunk but he couldn't st stop drinking and it was messing up his family it was messing up his life his, his son was already starting to take the same patterns that he was taking in his life he had tried everything he had gone to you know uh, he had gone to all the 12-step programs, and he had tried every kind of thing. He had gone to doctors and tried to get help that way. I mean, there was just, he tried everything, and he could not get free. It was a bondage. See, at first it, it looked like a freedom, but it became a bondage. And, 
And he came and he, he told me, he said he, he had become a Christian. And uh, he, he asked Christ into his life. But he said to me, he, says, he said, Pastor, I cannot, I, I've tried everything, I can't do this. So we just gathered a few people together and prayed over him. And we prayed, and, and listen, this doesn't happen every time. But he was desperate, and he was relying on God fully, completely, truly wanted freedom. And we prayed for him. And that day we prayed for him was the last time he took a drink. He was completely freed. He told me that the desire for alcohol had completely left. It was gone. Now, I know this man had surrendered fully to God. He was willing to do whatever Jesus asked him to do. This bondage was such a strong part of his life. But Jesus set him free. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. And I believe that we can walk in that freedom each and every day by faith in Christ. We're going to close with communion. And, uh, and I don't know if some of you are ready for this, but if you can just quickly, if there's, you want to join us uh, in communion, uh, if you have some, some bread that's available, um, I know you might not have all the exact elements, the grape juice or what have you, but you know, the, the Lord understands in this situation. And, uh, and as the, you know, the, the body of Christ finds ways to do this, we can do this. And Jesus, I believe, will honor our faith in this element. And then when, we get, when we're able to have the proper elements, we always will do that. But if you want to do that, if you want to get some juice together or something as you're doing that, um, I, want us to, I want to lead us in. Uh, a communion, uh, you know, celebration. And, and even if, if you can't do that, if you just want to join in in faith and, uh, and, and join in with me in that, the, the fact is that what Jesus did for us, we can, we can by faith receive even without the elements. But we're reminded in these as uh, God has given to us. And I, I do want to say this to you. If you're physically in ailment, if you're sick and you need healing, uh, communion, take communion. Take it by faith. It's more than just an identification. It, there's a power to it as we take communion. And so we take uh, the unleavened bread and, uh, and, and we, which represents the body of Jesus Christ, and we break it because His body suffered. He was his, none of His bones were broken, but His body was broken. It was it was torn. He was torn. It was ripped apart when He went to the cross. And, and the the Scripture says, "By His stripes we were healed." And He He took thirty nine lashes of the cat of nine tail. There are some that say that there are thirty nine categories of diseases. I don't know if that's true or not. But the point is, every one of those stripes he took was for us. And it says, by those stripes we are healed. In fact, it goes on, actually the scripture says, by those stripes we were healed. It's past tense. It's already been done. It means that I believe that healing is in the atonement provided by what Jesus did for us. And so as you take this bread, receive by faith as Jesus that night, before, while he, before he was betrayed, he, he said, uh, take, uh, take this bread. He says, this is my body, which is given for you. Receive. And then he took the cup. And he said, this is a cup of the New Testament of my blood. As often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you show the Lord's death until he comes. Aren't you glad for this cleansing flow of the blood of Jesus Christ? Right now, just receive. You're washed clean, pure, as a follower of Jesus. And if you are not a follower of Jesus, right now you can say, you can invite Jesus to be your Savior. It can be that quick as you put your faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you can say, Jesus, 
I put my faith in you. Be my Savior. Cleanse me from all of my sin. As the rest of us receive this cup, knowing that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all of our sin. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let's worship together. Open our eyes, God, to see what you're doing, to see how you're moving, how you're working. We want to see it, God. We know it's true. Oh, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. 
even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, boy. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. Oh, you are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Oh, you are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light. Have a blessed week, church.